will this morning please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from Romans 6 verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Um, 
So there's, think about it, there's three dates that almost all of you tend to mark. Okay? What are those dates? Date of birth, your birthday, some loved ones, dates of death, and dates of weddings. I think those are the three. If you remember three uh, days, those are likely it. You don't forget those, or you know, if you do forget those, you find yourself quickly in trouble, right? These are dates, even sometimes, if we're not aware that the date is, I've seen it with somebody that our body feels that an anniversary is coming up. I, I saw this with somebody who's, whose father had died, and they could feel in their body that I was hitting some time of year. Sometimes you'll, I've heard you say to me, you know, if my dad were still alive, he would be 102. Right? Or if my parents were still alive, they'd be married 75 years today. Why is that? Why are these dates so special to us? Um, you know, they're special, but again, I would say, why? Why are these dates so special? And I think in part, it's because they're boundary-crossing events. So think about it. Each of these events, your life is not the same before and after. A birth, a wedding, and death, each of those, you cross over something. Like, think about what a shock it must have been for your, you don't remember it, but your nine month in the gestation period, and you emerge from the womb, that womb where all of your needs are taken care of, it's warm, it's safe, you've got your mother's voice there, and all of a sudden out into the world. You cross a boundary, right? And you're never the same. If you're a parent, you remember <laughs> the births of your children are burned in your minds because they're so significant when that baby emerged to the world. Uh, think about your wedding, if you've been married. If you walked into a church with one identity and just kind of crazy, this person, this minister, speaks some words and bam, your identity has changed. Have you thought about what a strange thing is that, that a minister speaks words and all of a sudden your identity has changed forever? You've crossed a boundary. You walked in a single person, you walked out united with another person uh, in marriage. And of course, uh, death is the ultimate boundary crossing, right? When we approach death, we, we approach the ultimate adventure. We do not uh, know what's on the other side, despite whatever books come out every year to tell us what we know. I don't think we know exactly what's on the other side. We get some glimpses from Scripture. We have a clear and hope through Jesus Christ. But we don't know exactly what's on the next, uh, what exactly that's going to be like. So think about this. If those are the big, big moments in our life, birth, marriage, and death, uh, the ones that we memorialize, we come back to again and again, it shouldn't surprise us that baptism has all three of these. That baptism is a marriage, it's a birth, and it's a death all in one. In just a little while, Eva will be dunked in the water. I mean, she is going to be completely submerged in that water. As I was saying, why? For one, I think one of the beautiful things about, about this form of baptism and the other forms show us other things that are beautiful too, but it gives us the picture of being all in. We're, we're totally submerged. We're all in, and the call is to be all in for Jesus, who was all in for you. But I want you to realize we've got real water there, right? We're not going to just like do a play baptism here. We're going to go out and we're going to immerse ourselves in water. Why is that? Because we're physical beings. Because God reaches out to us and meets us in his goodness and his love in a physical world. I mean, look around here. It's a, it's a Sunday morning in July. It's gorgeous. We feel, we sense God's love. We feel God's presence. 
through his good creation. It's a physical world. It's a good world. We're going to taste barbecue later and desserts and sides and salads that are good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know the goodness of the Lord through your taste buds. I've been recently reflecting on the healings of Jesus. And I want you to think about the way Jesus healed people. Now, does Jesus have to touch someone to heal them? No, he doesn't. But we've got examples of Jesus not even being present with a person, and he's able to heal them. But if you go back and you look at the gospel accounts, he's always touching people. Not, well, not always, but almost always he's touching. He's touching the blind, their eyes, so they can see. He's doing kind of odd things, like putting his fingers in somebody's ears. And after that, they're not deaf. He, he reaches down to a little girl, a 12-year-old girl who's dead, and grabs her by his hand, this beautiful, tender scene, and he lifts her up. Jesus is always reaching out and physically touching people. Why? Because that's who our God is. That's who our God is. God is always reaching out to us, meeting us. And he doesn't do it from afar. He could have. He could have dropped a book from heaven. He could have sent an angel. What does he do? He, sent, he comes in the flesh, embodiment, right? He could, have done, he could have chosen so many other ways to reveal himself to us, to come to us, yet he chooses the physical. And if you think, well, what does the physical really matter? Think back to us, uh, to our Zoom COVID isolation services. Does anybody look back nostalgically at that? Like, is that better than this? <laughs> If you say yes, then just don't say it out loud. <laughs> think you, you that are grandparents, think about those virtual hugs you gave to your kids over Zoom. Do you just long to get back to those virtual hugs? No. You want to grab your grandkids or your kids, and you want to touch them, and you want to hug them. We're physical beings. We meet each other through the phys physical beings, and God meets us through real bread, real wine, grape juice, real water. Real people. It's all real. It's all physical. God meets us in the waters of baptism. And listen to me. God does something in those waters. This is mysterious. One of the words that, that Melody read in the book was, this is mysterious. We're, we're witnessing something mysterious. Let's not miss that. Sometimes I think we're a little like, well, it's just a symbol. It's just something. It's just, no, something mysterious is happening. We don't fully understand it. God is doing something. God is going to do something to me. God is doing something to us through the bread and the cup. We have roles to play. Absolutely. Neva is here because she said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. You are here because you are here to welcome Neva into this congregation. But I think we would do well to remind ourselves, who is the primary actor today? It's not me. It's certainly not me. It's not Neva. It's not you. God is the main actor today. What is God doing? For one, God's freeing us from sin. It's freeing Neva. Because baptism is a sign of forgiveness for sin. It's a beautiful sign because water, of course, washes us. We take showers. We go wash the dirt out. I think about Peter. Um, yeah, why do we need to know is because as you come to know Jesus, the more you know Jesus, the more you will recognize your, your brokenness, that we are our own worst enemies again and again. And I think about Peter, and he's got his counter on, on, on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus. Jesus has just performed this miracle in the boat. 
comes to Jesus, he falls on his knees, and he says, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. What does Jesus say? No, Peter, you're okay. You're good. He doesn't say that. But he doesn't shame Peter either. He doesn't say, you're right, Peter, I'm going to go away from you. You are a sinful man. Peter's a sinful man, no doubt. And what's his response? Follow me. Come with me. That is essential, Peter, that you recognize your sinfulness. Now the response is, come to me. Come follow me. I'm the one who heals you. Our relationship with God, with others, with ourselves has been broken by sin. We need to be healed. We need forgiveness. We need to be made clean. The baptism, the water show us that. I think we kind of get that. I mean, I think that, and that's an essential part of baptism. There's this part that represents the cleansing of God of us from sin. Here's what I think we miss that's easy to miss in our passage in Romans. Ten times Paul speaks about this thing called sin. And we're like, okay, sin, yeah, that's what I do when I disobey God. Okay, yes. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Because he doesn't talk about sins. He talks about sin. He's talking about sin as if it's a person, like Dr. Sin, like Mr. Sin, like a master, a tyrant, something that has power over us, has authority over us, enslaves us. Go back to the passage later and read it again and again. You'll see sin. You won't see sins. Paul totally understands that we struggle with sin. That's not a question. But sin does something to us. This is hard to get our minds around. I think we understand that we sin. Do you understand that something, and this is kind of mysterious, called sin is doing something to us? I, I always go back to the Exodus story when I want to get my mind around baptism because it just it gives us a real-life story that just maps on perfectly to baptism. So think about the Exodus story. The, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. They've been freed, right? They were enslaved to Pharaoh. They had a real slave master, right? Think about that, right? I'm sure the Israelites did things they weren't supposed to do, but that wasn't their main problem. What was their main problem? It was Pharaoh. How did they get free from Pharaoh? Put that in your mind, because you're going to have to think about it. What does baptism do? Baptism is going to have to free you from something. The Israelites have to be free from Pharaoh. They get out of there, they come out, and what happens? They hit the Red Sea. Another great picture, because what happens? Who's coming after the, the Israelites? Pharaoh, the Egyptian army. Look one way, there's the army coming at them. Look the other way, you've got a sea. You've got no way out. Barring a divine intervention, a divine miracle, the Israelites all die, right? The only chance is a divine intervention, a miracle, and what happens? The waters part. What happens next? They walk through the waters. What happens at baptism? They go through the waters. They get to the other side, they look back, and what do they see? Dead people everywhere. Their enslavers are, are washed up on the shore. It's a, it's a carnage there. The Israelites had a problem, right? Their biggest problem was Pharaoh. That's what they needed to be free from. Am I missing something? Okay, we can, we can hold off on <laughs> This is the great thing about having an outdoor service. When God comes to us, whether we realize it or not, we are in a dire and dangerous position. We are trapped. I want you to see that. I want you to see the deer, and I want you to see what I'm saying here. 
Adir is more, I know, more interesting than um, We are trapped in sin. Right? We've got pharaohs that enslave us. We have addictions and idols and outside forces that do something to us. So one of the, the questions that, that people will be asked is, do you renounce the evil powers of this world and turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior? And that's like an intense question. I, I talked to me and I was like, she's like, she's basically like, yeah, that's pretty intense. This is a classic question. Christians have been answering this question for hundreds, thousands of plus years. Why? Because there are dark forces aligned against us. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. There are forces out there that are at odds with Jesus Christ that want to enslave us, that want to entrap us in all kinds of ways. And just like the Israelites have to be free from Pharaoh, Paul tells them, you've got to be free from Dr. Sin, Mr. Sin, the singular sin, a power. And that power is going to have to be drowned in the water. Because before there can be a new birth, there has to be a death. We must die to live. A death to our old self, a death to our old master, a death to the powers that enslave us. That's what baptism just does such a good job of giving us a picture of. There's a death, there's a drowning. Does that mean that once we're baptized, that we're cleansed of our sin, we're freed from Dr. Sin, Mr. Sin, and we don't struggle with smooth sailing? Can you guys give me a, is that the way it works? Yeah, did you hear that? Anybody? I don't hear a single yes out there. That's not the way it works. If we're honest and struggle, here's what would be hard to say. Sometimes maybe we long for our old life. Maybe we long for some of the stuff that we gave up when we followed Jesus. And again, what does the, the story of the Israelites tell us? They do. They get across to the other side and they look back and they think, we had a good... We ate pots of meat. We sat around. Of course, we're thinking, are you insane? We're watching this whole story play. Like, you were enslaved to a tyrant pharaoh. And they get to the other side and they think, oh, man, but it was good. Pots of meat. Like, that's what Paul is doing to us here. He's like, you, those of you who have been baptized, you've crossed over. You can't go back. You can't go back to your old way of life. You have left. That, that old tyrant sin has been killed. You're, you've been put to death. But right? if, we, if we go, if we come back to the shoreline in, in years from now, we can could, we could imagine that there's a tombstone there, that a burial took place, that we stood up and, and, we, and we said goodbye to Sinland, we, we burned our passports, we renounced our citizenship to that kingdom, and we turned to a new one. Because that is what happens. We turn to something new. Thankfully, baptism is not just a funeral. It is a joyful event. But if we don't realize the danger we're in, we're never going to understand the joy of today. I was thinking about this, you know, the Firestone pool has this kiddie pool. Parents get in there and they splash around. Imagine if I came in there and just did a full-on rescue of that parent sitting in the pool with their kid. You think they would appreciate that? Why wouldn't they appreciate it? Because they didn't need to be rescued. It would just be an annoyance. What if someone's drowning in the pool and the lifeguard jumps in, grabs them and brings them? Are they appreciative? Yes, because they were in danger. We can't talk about being saved from something if we don't know that we're actually in danger, that we need a rescue, that we're dead. We can't stop there because we're not just saved from something, we're saved to something. Let me say that again. We're not just saved from something, we're saved to something, actually someone. Who are we saved to? Jesus Christ. 
God is the primary actor in the baptism, but we have a role to play. What happens in our baptism is we stand and we pledge ourselves to Jesus Christ. In that way, it's like a wedding. We say yes to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already said yes to us. Jesus has already come to us in love. And now we say yes to him. Going back again to the Exodus story helps us out here. Because if you think about it, the Israelites are not just free from one tyrant, and then they go and they're just free. They're free from one master and transferred to another master, Yahweh. Something is very similar in baptism. We are transferred from one kingdom, one master, a tyrant who does not care for us, to another kingdom, the kingdom of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is good news. There is no one you want to give your life to. There is no one you want to confess as Lord more than Jesus. Because Jesus loves us. Because Jesus has our best interest in mind. Because Jesus died for us. And when we say yes, again, mysteriously, I don't understand it, we are united with Jesus in the waters of baptism. Cleave to him. Something like happens at marriage. When we go in as one person, we emerge as two. He places his spirit on us and he marks us as his own. Our baptism is our wedding with Christ. But just like a wedding doesn't make a marriage, it's not the end of a journey. It's just the beginning. So when I married Christiana, like many of you, I don't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew I loved Christiana. I didn't know. All these years later, I'd be in Northeast Ohio, a pastor and four kids and we don't, we don't really know what's ahead. Baptism, we don't really know what's ahead. It's the beginning of a journey. You should spend the rest of your life working out what your baptism what it means. I told that to me. I said, no, I'm still figuring out what my baptism means to me all these years later. Baptism is a pledge to make Jesus Christ. And neither does do something today. And you have a role too. Right? One of your roles is to remember your own baptism. This is a serious time to, to remember what did you commit to when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You made some serious commitments. We're forgetful people. We're always for forgiving. This is a beautiful chance to say, man, I made that same pledge to Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. I gave my life to Jesus Christ in his service. This is serious stuff, not just for me, but this is serious stuff for us too. July 23rd, 2023 is a wedding day when vows are made and persons are united. And July 23rd, 2023 is a birthday when a new person is born. Washed and freed by the waters of baptism, we emerge from those waters with a new Lord, Jesus Christ, as a new creation, a new person. A new birth happens at baptism. Think about when someone's born, when a child is born. They're always born into a family, right? They're not just born into the world, they're born into a family. Same with us. When we are baptized, we are baptized into the worldwide body of Christ, but not just that body, this body, this local body just north of Columbia in Ohio, Midway Mennonite Church. That is why we tie membership and baptism together, because we know that we don't follow Jesus alone. Don't try this alone. It doesn't work well. There's joy in baptism because there's been a new birth. The family's bigger. It grows with a new sister. And what do you do on birthdays to celebrate? What do you do? You eat. You always eat. What are we going to do? 
The table gets a little bit bigger today. We got one more place at the table for the Lord's table. Who's going to be there? Neva's going to be there. What did the Israelites, what were they fed when they crossed through the waters? They were fed the bread of heaven. You're not just coming up here to get a little cracker and a little juice. You are being fed by the bread of heaven. Make no mistake about that. This is powerful stuff. And the table got bigger today. It's going to get bigger. We're going to invite one more sister to the table. We're going to eat, and then we're going to go eat some more. Because that's what you do to celebrate. 